Hey guys, welcome to the Higher Points. Tonight we got a special guest on. His name is uh, Nelson Big Nelly Riemenschneider. Um, he reigns from California, Corntown, Brentwood. Um, he uh, met him my uh, freshman year of college, and my first experience with Nelson was didn't know anybody. Actually, I knew a few people at Sterling College, but we're coming in as freshmen, and this is one big dude. It's okay. So it's like August, beginning of August, 100 degrees out. This man rolls up to a meeting in a Snuggie. Football meeting, a whole football team, 150 of us, and this man rolls up in a Snuggie. Gotta set yourself apart. <laughs> Show your winner. Just pouring sweat <laughs> off of him. Worth it. Rolls up in a Snuggie. And you're still talking about it years later, so obviously it worked. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> left an impression. I bet I left an impression on everybody there. So. Oh, yeah. Was that was that a planned thing or did like uh, what what was your back in high school? I'd always done stuff to kind of be a little bit more standoutish. You know, I was the goofy one. I was like, you know what, I'm going to set that tone here. So I was like, what could I wear to the meeting? It's hot. It's humid. Snuggy. And uh, <laughs> my roommates at the time, which um, actually was not Nate, I've roomed with three other guys. Um, like, oh, yeah, that'll be a great idea. That'll definitely set you apart. And, uh, yeah. I just imagine you peeling that off at the end of the day. And it's like making that. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> that was my first ever experience with, like, uh, Midwestern, like, humidity and heat. <laughs> so, so, and so, he wears a Snuggie. So where do, you, where do you hail from again? Uh, Brentwood, California. It's in a Bay Area. so Like the San Francisco Bay Area? Yeah, San yeah. Francisco Bay Area. Very much San Francisco. Yeah. We don't, we don't <laughs> like San Francisco. Other than the like historical tourism aspect, which I personally love, I'm not a huge fan of San Francisco. But we're about an hour and a half, two hours inland. Um, when I lived there, it was more farm town, you know, wineries, corn, tomatoes. But now it's been kind of urbanized and developed since I've been back. So basically coming coming to Sterling wasn't really much of a culture shock for you then? I mean, it was kind of felt felt more like home or? Scenery-wise, not really. You know, it was like, okay, you know, really small, not really what I'm used to. But at the same time, I it's not too out of the water. The culture shock came from the people, which is a major reason why I stayed. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, out here in Kansas, I found just incredible people. You know, my best friend, Nate, and... Um, i feel like you guys should hug just um (laughs) people i couldn't find in california i found a family out here when i left california i didn't have a lot of people you know i had of course my immediate family but i had only like two or three friends i still talk to from there so you know i found more of a family out here in kansas than i did back in california and ultimately senior year that's why i decided to stay is that where you were born uh yeah I was born in uh, Walnut Creek, California, which is kind of in that general area, maybe about an hour away from Brentwood, but, um, you know. Give it a, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say I moved around the Bay Area kind of a lot of my life, and uh, Brentwood is where I ended up just going to high school, and I am glad I went there. Um, kind of set me up to do stuff I never thought I'd do, like uh, wrestling and football. Because I just... I, I Spent a lot of my younger life playing baseball. And I love baseball, but <laughs> I'm a big guy. Baseball isn't really made for bigger guys. Uh, 
Yeah, just to set the tone for those that are listening, you know, Nelson is a big dude and like that kind of guy that like you would think of on an O line or a D line, like you know, more more probably an O line than a D line, right? Yeah. <clears throat> of of just uh you know, not somebody you want to run into for sure. Or have run into you. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> um but it you know. I was homeschooled for two years in middle school, seventh and eighth grade, but I wrestled for one of the local middle schools and I was like, I want to keep doing this in the high school. So out there, the requirement to, you know, wrestle for the high school is you have to attend the high school. So I was like, okay, I'll go back to public school, which I'm really glad I did because I think homeschooling wasn't for me when I thought it was and kind of messed me up a little bit socially. Um, I didn't get the social interactions that I needed. And, um, I think a lot of kids who are homeschooled kind of go through that reintroduction back into trying to socialize with kids and that kind of thing. I think that's pretty common. There's a lot of homeschooled kids in Kansas, so. Yeah. And uh, it, for some reason, I, I make friends with kids who have been homeschooled, Nelson and <laughs> Gideon. and <laughs> um, You know, I was, was like, okay, you know what? Screw it. I'll sign up for the football team. I'm a big guy. We'll try it out. And that first week of spring camp, I wanted to quit. I wanted to die. It was the worst thing I've ever done <laughs> on a turf field in a California summer. You know, 100, 110 degrees out there. It's But it wasn't humid. No. It so was, wearing it was dry a Snuggie, <laughs> wearing a Snuggie wouldn't have been a big deal? <laughs> no, probably would have been. <laughs> but it was a dry heat, and it just burned. And uh, But I stuck with it. Um, I think that a lot of that's due to my coach freshman year, Paul DeMarco, uh, I'm not sure if he, he listens to this at all, but he was the one who kind of encouraged me to keep playing football, and he was the first one to say, I could see you going to college to play football. And I did, so he called it. Are those, uh, uh, is like, have you ever taken a love language test? Have uh, you done I that? It's like w- words of affirmation yours? Um, Actually, mine is uh, gift giving. Oh, really? But uh, followed up by words of affirmation okay. and acts of service. Well, I say, I, just from what you said, I was kind of just taking a shot in the dark there of like that it, know, that seemed like those words were important to you it, they were they really were um you know especially a lot of my life gained told uh um you know not exactly you can't do it but more you know oh i didn't expect you to do this it, it was it's not exactly i expected you to fail but it's like oh you know i'm surprised that you did it which isn't exactly the best thing to hear either you know no. So do you have any siblings? I am the oldest of six boys. I have five younger brothers. Uh, Your parents must have been bored. Um. Well, one of them is a full biological brother. His name's Corbin. He lives in Southern California with his daughter. Uh, the other four are actually my half-brothers because um, when I was about five, my parents ended up divorcing. My dad remarried a couple years after. And uh, him and my stepmom, Deneen, ended up having four more boys. So... They kept trying for a girl, and obviously it just <laughs> didn't work out. <laughs> so they and decided what's six. What's the youngest? How old's the youngest right now? Oh, I don't remember their ages. I think he's like ten or ten or eleven. Um, I think. Don't don't quote me on that. But he's uh, probably like is this sixteen? <laughs> is this is this I know the he's one, not sixteen. Is this the one that you left in the car? <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll, <laughs> I don't remember. We'll, we'll we'll tell that story. That in was a Corbin. Bit. Sorry, Corbin. <laughs> Um, 
So what I guess so you what what was it like being a kid of five and like having that happen in your family? Does that do you remember that? Do you remember the emotions tied to it or anything or? Uh, well, me and Corbin, especially going through the divorce, I think our relationship ended up getting better after we moved out of the same house. Because uh, a lot of the time when we were both either at my dad's or at my mom's, there was just a lot of conflict. I think it's just that older brother, younger brother. To a certain point, some of it got extreme. <laughs> you know, it, it did get pretty extreme to some extent, and I do feel bad for what did happen. But we've become a lot closer as we've gotten older. And I think it was just, you know, the divorce itself probably didn't help our relationship. Um, I can't imagine that was a time filled with a bunch of joy. Yeah, I mean, the whole divorce, there, you know, there are good things, good memories, there's bad memories. Um, I think I remember a lot more than he did, um, being that I was five and he was only about three. Uh, he, uh, I, I can't say for sure. We've honestly never really sat down and talked about it a lot. I would like to, but that's at his own, you know. If he does. If he doesn't, that's fine. I understand. But I also don't think he remembers a whole lot. And what he does, I don't know. Well, you never know. He may have some questions that you can fill in the gaps, too. Yeah. And, you know, with this whole divorce thing, I've learned it's just better to be open about everything that happened. Like, my half-brothers have asked me questions about, you know. I remember having to explain to them why I had two moms and why Deneen wasn't my biological mom. And, you know, it's... I don't think they really got it until they got older. I think now they're a little bit better about understanding that. Um, but I, I, you know, I know it's easier to explain to them as my half brothers, but I don't see them that way. They're very much my brothers. They're flesh and blood, and I don't treat them any other way. And I love them all to death, even when they are annoying and you know, <laughs> little brothers. I wouldn't be able to relate to any of that. I'm an only child, so. The only, only child in this room right now. But yep. so we, so you go through school and everything and then you end up doing college football. Kind of a, how did, how did you end up in, in Sterling, I guess, in the college football journey? So I knew, you know, going to college, the, I'm going to say the best option for my family who didn't have a lot of financial success. We weren't fine. You know, we were okay, but it wasn't like I was going to be able to, get, you know, have someone to pay for my college the whole way. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to get a scholarship. And my dad, you know, we, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. You know, we've had our stumbles, but this is one of the things I'll give him credit for. He pushed me to apply for a bunch of colleges. He, I remember after school, he would take me to his office. And at the time I absolutely hated it. You know, sitting in that office, just applying for, you know, going on to the school's website and applying for the college. And When you say his office, did he work at the school or something? Or uh, No, he had a little office set up down, oh. the, down the street from the school. Oh, okay. I, I was I thought maybe like he was a teacher or something. And like, no, okay. no. He's a real estate agent. He had just a small like little room that he managed to do his work in because we were living in a pretty small house at the time. Gotcha. Uh, shared a room with four of my brothers, the four half-brothers. So <laughs> And my two kids think they got it bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's two bunk beds and a single bed. So, yeah. Um, that, you know, that was a little rough. Packed in like sardines, but at the same time, you know, the, those weren't exactly horrible memories, minus the whole getting alone, alone time. Um, but, uh, 
<laughs> we all <laughs> not that not that kind of alone time. <laughs> he's, he's a he's a budding teenager. He could Dude, get his alone time. Okay, this is why this is why we all get along. We I all made we, we all made the look and the eye contact, and it just went from there. Uh, all right, so now that we've talked about Nelson's lack of alone time, I think I think we'll move on. So so he pushed you. You know, you yeah. filled out those applications, and then just sent in the films to the schools. None of the schools contacted me. I got what little film I could because uh, senior year of football in high school, about halfway through the season, the coach pulled a lot of us seniors and threw in a lot of the juniors because he wanted them to be ready for the next year. So I didn't have a lot of film to go off of. I went off of uh, film from the end of my junior year and the middle of my senior year. Uh, so I sent a lot of that film off. And the uh, best responses I got were actually from a school called Briarcliff. McPherson, and then Sterling. And uh, the reason I chose Sterling is that Chase, who at the time was the offensive coordinator, uh, would not o- leave. O-line coach. He was oh, O-line, O-line coach. coach. My bad. O-line coach. Um, he would not leave me alone. I'm sitting at class at 1 o'clock California time, which I guess is about 3 o'clock out here. Yeah, 3. 30, yeah, three. Yeah, he called me about 3.30 out here, 1, 1.30. I'm sitting in class being like, I'm getting a call from this college. I'll be right back. And he just kept calling and pestering like, hey, you know, we want to get you out here for a visit. Would he be able to? Um, And just wouldn't leave me alone. And to me, that was like, hey, they really want me to be there and be a part of this family. And that's, you know, I kind of talked to him. I talked to Andy a little bit. Um, And that's kind of what sold me on Sterling. The thing about me going to Sterling is I never came out here for a visit. I just signed and was like, okay. Sight unseen. <laughs> Pretty much. But at the same time, I also was under the mentality of, I want to get away from my family. I have some family in Oklahoma, but I'm not super close with them. Um, There's a lot of kids that come to Sterling College like that, sight unseen. They'll come on a visit. and It really is a culture shock to them because they don't have cornfields in their hometown. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I did a little, a little bit better off than some other people. There was still the culture shock a little bit. Well, but like you said, mainly the people. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't a bad culture shock. It was like, I absolutely love the people out here. Like, these are people I could see myself being around for the rest of my life. And uh, I did to kind of get away from my family. I think I needed space for my dad, my mom, my brothers. Like, I needed to go off on my own without having that overbearing kind of. So you can have your alone time? (laughs) Not with four roommates or three roommates. (laughs) You can coordinate. You can coordinate. Um, uh, but I never had the opportunity to really be alone in my, like, <laughs> not like that. I didn't, I didn't oh, even make, <laughs> I didn't even make a face or anything. You started that. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, go off on my own and make my own decisions, make my own mistakes. And there have been plenty of those, you know, decisions and mistakes. But at the same time, for once, I felt like I was a grown up making my own decisions and living life for myself. Were you allowed by your parents to kind of do that or did they try to, did they try to like call and check in and, you know, kind of like keep the reins on a little bit? Um, in my opinion, they kind of kept the reins on a little bit like, Hey, texting where you're at, you know, when, you know, Oh, Hey, we don't want you going out. It's a school night. You know, you got homework, you know, and I'll be honest in college or not in college in high school, you know, I did have my course of friends, but I wasn't the kind of guy who would go out on weekends and hang out with a bunch of people. I wasn't super social in high school. 
I was, but I wasn't. Um, I didn't get invited to anything, really. I wasn't one of those kids that's like, oh, hey, Nelson, come hang out with us. I, it, I was never one of those kids. So a lot of my weekends were spent with my family and my brothers and just uh, the Xbox 360. Me and my uncle would play a lot of games and, you know, my uncle is a major father figure in my life. He passed away after shortly after I graduated um, high school. But he, uh, you know, we'd spend the weekends just hanging out and, you know, I'd help him with chores and doing odd and odd and jobs that he had. Um, but he didn't show you how to run a drill. <laughs> 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 nope, because we use screwdrivers. <laughs> I mean, he told me how to run the drill, not put the drill bit in. <laughs> did, did, did he actually, like, text you or something? Like, no, how, no, I, I figured it out. <laughs> oh, he probably used the YouTube videos, what he did. Yeah, <laughs> Google. <laughs> As one of our teachers, uh, Mr. Qua, would say, uh, YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. Google. <laughs> yeah, well, just to give a little bit of backstory there, I guess, Nate, or uh, Nelson borrowed a drill from Nate. And was maybe having some issues doing some of the basic functions <laughs> with the drill. So that's the joke right now. It happens to the best of us. Yeah, I've been there and done that. <laughs> Not this most recent time, but the first time ever I did, I was like, I don't know how to get the drill bit out. <laughs> it took a little bit of uh, figuring out. For the most part, I got it without the YouTube video. But I just imagine you like Chris Farley, like, why won't this come out? Like, I can just imagine you being like that. <laughs> For a little while, I was like, I thought I... Got it. And, but uh, he's having Cynthia hold on to it. And he's trying to, <laughs> trying to pull it. So back back to your football when you first got here. Um, so so what was football like at, at Sterling College? Uh, it's kind of like my first time ever doing football in high school. It sucked. Yeah, but you know that was something. That was the first time I've ever done something that physically demanding. And but at the same time, I don't regret doing it. I don't regret the relationships I've made, the friendships I've made. And, um, our freshman and sophomore year, like our fall camp was hell. Yeah. It was, um, three days, like solid three days. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot hotter those years, it seemed like. And I don't know. They just, those first couple of years were a lot tougher, I thought, than the last two. And these, these were, uh, that was when, this is when Andy Lambert was the coach, right? Yeah. The head coach. Because okay. we had Andy for two years and then Chuck for two years. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I don't regret it at all. Me and Nelson really didn't become friends until probably second semester of freshman year. I was midway through the first semester because yeah. I remember my freshman year, I was going home for Thanksgiving break, I think. And <laughs> shortly before this, like, I just get back from, I don't remember, the calf or class or something, and there's this big dude just sitting on my couch playing my Xbox. I'm like, <laughs> I was invited in. Thank you very much. <laughs> I didn't invite him in. Someone else did. <laughs> I'm like a vampire. I got to be invited in. <laughs> he was just playing Xbox, and that was kind of how I met Nelson, him playing Xbox. And I left my, my room unlocked over Thanksgiving break so that he could go in there and play Xbox and stuff because he didn't go back to California. You know, Sterling College got locked halfway through, and I was very sad. <laughs> Sterling College is all about that servant leadership. You should have uh, invited him to Thanksgiving with you. I did every other year after that. Yeah, he did the years after that. He made up for it. <laughs> he still comes at Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, and Christmas. I'll, I'll still go to the Hyatt uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. I, I absolutely love it. You know. So what what was the the culture at Sterling College like? Like, what did you like it? Didn't you like it? I mean, 
there are some things I did like, some things I didn't like. Um, but, you know, these people actually wanted to hang out with me and wanted to be my friend and invited me out to, you know, <laughs> activities. Go go out on a school night. <laughs> yeah, go out on a school night and, you know, invite me out to eat with them and, you know. Four local Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it took forever. You're good Christian kids. You never would have done stuff like that. I, I think I was trying to be that good Christian kid that, you know. Is that something thought, you grew up with? I mean, like as it, far as your faith? Um, I grew up in the church, yes. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was trying to be, you know, okay, go to church Sundays, you know, chapel on Wednesdays, you know, don't drink. And then Nate. <laughs> You're a corrupting Nate influence. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it's all my fault. So, um. So you, these people are inviting you out. What are, what are maybe some of the things you didn't like about the culture? Um, I felt like some people were a little judgmental at Sterling College and would judge you for doing certain things. And it was a little bit clicky. It, that there's the word I was looking for. It's clicky. I could definitely see that with a smaller and smaller university. It makes sense. I wasn't too bad. I got along with pretty much everyone. I could bounce around to the different cliques, and you know, everyone be like, "Oh, it's Nelson." So, you know, that's. Uh, perfectly fine in fact uh did you did you always come to first impressions with those different clicks in a snuggie or <laughs> not all the time <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it might have been shirtless <laughs> do you have the tassels on <laughs> oh boy whoa whoa he's laughing no. a little too hard here i feel like there's... <laughs> we, we did a mannequin challenge for sterling college football <laughs> do you I'm remember pre- that uh, I mean, I'm assuming it's like a. It was like a kind of like a TikTok thing. Where yeah, they filmed through the locker room, and you're all kind of standing. Oh, still. that's right, where everybody is like standing still, mm-hmm. but the, the video is like still moving through the room. Yeah, and the first thing you see is uh, was it Tyus? I think so. Tyus motorboating me, which your buddy Greg stand behind watching, <laughs> and that was the first thing you see. He's just straight up, dude. Dude, I can only imagine. Like if if the admin staff of Sterling College saw that they were probably I, thoroughly sure. impressed. No, they they posted it, but they cut that part out. They cut the, the very. It didn't start on Nelson like it. <laughs> it didn't start on me, and I'm I'm convinced that I'm the reason why it didn't. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yet they let the guy suplexy another guy, but you know. <laughs> oh, so what was it like competing, like for basically your time on the field versus you know a couple hundred other people? Um. Honestly, uh, I hate to say it, but I was just there to play. I don't care if I was on scout team. I didn't care if I was start. I, I never started. But, you know, when I got out, I got out. You know, if even if it was just on PAT, I was just glad to be there Yeah, and have that experience. And, you know, I, I, I don't hate to say it, but even on scout team, I loved playing it. You know, granted, there were those good days and there, those were those bad days, but... You know, if my place on the scout team helps the defense get better, then, you know, it, I'm still part of the team. What What is scout team? Because I don't even know that. So I'm sure, some, like I'm sure the, somebody else doesn't. The, ex- the, the extra younger guys. guys who go against the first team D or the first team O. Yeah. You know, and probably get steamrolled. They, they run the – so they get film and plays from, like, the team that we're playing that week, and they run those plays against us. Yeah. So they get practice to see what an offense may look like running those plays. So my freshman year is on scout team offense, and what they would do is hold up a note card in front of us, and it showed everybody where they would go 
and who they would block. And that's what we did. Played scout team fullback. And some tight end. Wow. Because I thought you played on the line. I did. I got fat. (laughs) (laughs) When I started at Sterling, I was 220 pounds. Too much pizza ranch. That was our O-line meals. We'd go Friday nights before games. We'd go to Pizza Ranch and all... 30 of us would go in there and just chow down. Dude, I imagine they were like, oh, no. Oh, no, they loved us. (laughs) We'd show up and they'd be like, hey, and we'd be like, hey. (laughs) Went to Pizza Ranch first couple years, and we went to Oliver's here in Hutch, came to Oliver's, and then after that, we started going to Anchor. We went to Anchor a couple times. (laughs) Anchor was a fun one. Those were good times. Like, O-linemen, they're a bunch of characters, man. There are a lot of the O-linemen are the weird dudes on the football team. <laughs> that explains a lot, Nelson. Yeah, yeah. You know, you show up wearing a Snuggie to one meet, and that's a story that gets told all four years you're there. It's like, no one's ever going to beat out Nelson wearing a Snuggie. <laughs> well, so what did you uh, what'd you major in? I majored in business marketing. and uh, What made you choose that? Um, I personally like the way ads are done and just marketing statistics. I find those really interesting and how certain markets can appeal to different certain demographics. And uh, I don't know. I was management, but then I took my first marketing class and I just was like, you know what? This interests me. And, you know, just finding out what kind of stuff sells well to certain demographics or tests well with certain demographics is just, I don't know. It's just interesting. What uh, is that what you graduated with your uh, degree? And what, what, what year did you graduate? Uh, 2018? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2018. I love how he looks at you. <laughs> the, when, when was that again? The, the I've, I've, had too much, I've had too much alcohol <laughs> since then. The years start blending together. That they do. <laughs> and then, uh, so what was kind of what was your first job out of college? Uh, I actually started at the Dillons there in town, just trying to make ends meet and pay rent to my jerk of a landlord at the time. I stayed with Nate for like two months. Oh. <laughs> no wonder he's looking at you. I wasn't the landlord. My parents were the landlord. It was Nate. It was all Nate. <laughs> was, was this prior, prior to you being married? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. But she was living there too. She was there. Oh, okay. But eventually, uh, I was like, hey, you know, I, I think we were all on the same page with that of me wanting to get my own place. Uh, you know, I needed the space. So I moved in to the house I'm currently at right now with, uh, my buddy Scott, Scott Dillinger. Yeah. So that's uh, him and his beautiful voice on the uh, on the dispatch radio. Oh yeah. The only thing is, is like when he's reading a twenty eight, he's like, "Your tag will come back to a two thousand two. He's doing the tan Toyota Corolla, and I'm like, "Dude, I'm standing here on the side of the road with this person. Can you speed it up a little bit, please?" <laughs> anyway, go ahead. No, you're fine. Uh, we lived together for a couple years, and he moved out, and. I kind of lived alone for a bit, and uh, I imagine he was a good drinking buddy, by the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> the vodka night. Yeah, <laughs> that was with Scott. There's there's lots of good drinking nights with Scott. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, as a law enforcement officer in that town, don't I know? <laughs> <laughs> Continue. Um, You've probably seen more Scott than you'd like to admit. Well, I never have strip searched him or anything, oh, so okay. we're good there. You wouldn't have to. <laughs> If you're listening, Scott, we love you. <laughs> so he moves out. Um, and then can just kind of lived alone for a while. And then uh, now I have my uh, current girlfriend living with me, Cynthia. And it's nice having someone live in there again. You know, someone who helps. And uh, what, what does she think of 
is she still doing the culture shock? Because she hadn't been here a whole long time. I think it's kind of because her family, her parents, and or her grandparents were from the Midwest. So I think that she was kind of raised with those Midwest values. So I don't think it was too much of a culture shock. But uh, in terms of the weather and everything, the snow <laughs> and the location, that's... Uh, Where it's 81 day and snowing, you know, four <laughs> inches the next. Yeah, exactly. She's like, what is going on here? I'm like, that's Kansas. Well, how, how did you meet her? Um, we actually met my senior year of high school. So did you guys go to the same school? We did not. Um, we kind of just met through some mutual friends. Okay. And, uh, okay. The rest is history. Tender. Just I was say, do you swipe right or what? <laughs> no, um, that was a guilty laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was online. We met online, um, but you know, it was kind of local and just kind of talking. It was not Tinder, though. Thank you very much. I forget what it was. Um, MySpace. I would say mine was MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. Um, but uh. You know, we kind of date on and off throughout college, and just it it didn't work between us just because distance. And at the time, we were wanting to do separate things, and then recently we we reconnected, and it's just kind of rest is history from there. So backing up to um, Dylan's, you kind of started like I guess really kind of the bottom of the food chain, right? Like bagging and stuff like that, right? <laughs> yep, bagging cashier, and eventually my uh uh. The customer service manager at the Dillons there in Sterling at the time was like, hey, I think you'd be good at customer service. And, uh, yeah, I kind of learned that, picked it up really fast. And then uh, three months later, the uh, one of the district GMs came in and he was like, I think you'd be really good at the uh, assistant customer service manager over at the uh, Dillons Marketplace on 30th. In Hutch. In Hutch. And I. Which is one of the biggest Dillons in the state, isn't it? Yep, so I I got thrown right into the fire doing that. <laughs> Here are the you know, keys, figure it out. <laughs> from like uh smallest Dillons to biggest. Well that's where and, I uh, what's where I met you was the Dillons in Sterling. That's my first Your customers you know, in Sterling are a lot nicer than the ones you find in Hutchinson, Kansas. I could see that. Yeah, and, and more regular too, so people kinda recognized you as you came in, like, Oh, there's Nelson and then uh moved there for about three years and then uh, after COVID, that COVID made me, you know, at first I was like, you know, I really like my job. I could see myself doing this. And then COVID hit. And I think the culture of Dylan's changed too. During that time, I think the culture of Dylan's changed. And uh, I realized that wasn't something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Changed um, in what way? Um, when I first started, it was like we're, you know, we're a team. We're all doing this. We're all helping each other out. You know, we're all, you know, when holidays would come up, we'd be like, okay, we're all going to get through this together. We're all going to help each other. And then it just, it became so divided. And, you know, when I first started, it seemed like Kroger was like, you know, okay, let's help the, you know, we'll, we'll back up our employees. And then as it just went on, especially once COVID hit, it was all about the customer. Oh, customer's always right. Do this for the customer. When we didn't have the manpower, we didn't have the supplies, you know, and we, you know, they called us heroes, so to speak, and frontline workers, but we really got thrown under the bus. And um, I saw a lot of my cashiers, they were treated so badly by a lot of the customers, you know, yelled at, screamed at. Um, I've seen cashiers break down. and So it wasn't necessarily just a Dylan's. It was a whole culture change in general. I, I think it was, yes. Yeah. You know, and then the fact even after COVID was, so to speak, over, you know, 
not so much over, but as over as it was, like, I think the worst it hit with the retail stores, um, it didn't go back to normal. And that was at a time when they were starting to shift to, like, grocery pickup and that kind of stuff, too, which I know you'd talked about through a really, like, made it difficult (laughs) on you. It did with the front end, you know, they talk how important the front end is to grocery stores. Like, you know, we're the, we're kind of the first ones they see and the last ones they see, you know, we make their day, we help them, you know, we help them with anything they need. And I'm all about customer service. I absolutely love that. I love making people's day and, you know, making them happy and all that. But, uh, when your department gets told, Hey, um, we need to take three of your people to go help the pickup department and, uh, you know, then you get told two hours later, hey, why aren't you making quota? Or, you know, why aren't lines moving fast enough? And then you try saying, well, it's because people went to my pickup department and you're told to figure it out. You kind of just get left high and dry. And I was tired of getting left high and dry. So uh, I looked for a new job and uh, ended up getting one over at uh, the bank there in Sterling. Is that when you when you moved back to Lions then? Uh, I actually never left Lyons. I, well, I thought you said you lived here in Hutch for a little bit. I um, just worked in Hutch. So you, so you just commuted from Lyons yeah. to Hutch? Okay, yeah, sorry. I did that drive. That's a, that's a long commute every day, too. Yeah, and it for a while, I did really like the commute. You know, it gave me time to listen to music, de-stress, listen to my podcasts. Um, See, if we'd have just been doing the higher points sooner, we could have <laughs> had more downloads. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, um, I think another... Um, you know, leaving point for me honestly wasn't the commute. Um, it was the fact that I was, I missed out on a lot of, uh, personal and, uh, you know, family stuff for that. I missed out on a lot of stuff, you know, and now at the bank, I could take that time off to go weddings. Yeah. I, uh, I missed, uh, one of my best friend's weddings. His name's Garrett. And I missed his wedding because work told me no. And at the time I wish I'd had the guts to stand up to them. And be like, no, I'm going, you know, find the, find the time. And, you know, I'll never get that moment back. I think that's one of the first kind of things that made me realize I don't want to do this forever. I don't want to be at the mercy of someone else. You know, I get stuff does happen, but it seems like in retail that happens more often. And I, to this day, you know, I still feel guilty about it. I don't, I'm not beating myself up about it, but I, I feel genuinely bad that I missed his wedding. Especially with how, you know. He was always there for us in college, so you know the fact that I missed that, I'm I'm never going to get that moment back. And uh, I think that was kind of the first step into me going, "Hey, I don't want to do this." And then I think that's when COVID hit shortly after that. Um, or no, maybe it was uh, probably about a year after. About a year after, you know. I once again, I think COVID was the big reason why I left retail, and um, I am kind of glad, or not kind of glad. I am very glad I left retail to get a you know nine to five job there in uh, so Sterling. Did you start there? So you went to First Bank, right? Yes, I did. And then did you start there as like a teller, or I started there as a teller and uh, recently got promoted to lead teller over in Lions about uh, back in December. So. I'm glad they gave me the opportunity to work for them and, uh, you know, be a part of that family. I well, keep when, uh, joking with him that I'm going to pull up to the uh, drive-thru one of these days and say I need to open a checking account for a cannabis company. 
And just watch the panic in their eyes. And I can't wait for they're going to call him up. You can watch the panic in their eyes. I'm going to know exactly who it is, and I'll know exactly what to tell you. <laughs> as, he, as he pulls up, and he's like, he's like, uh, hi, sir. Uh, my name's Nelson Riemann Schneider, and uh, I'm glad to assist in telling you to fuck off. Have a good day. And they're, they're, they're all like, can he do that? <laughs> I actually do that. I, that. That seems like a power play I could easily do with them. <laughs> so, throw them off big time. Then, so, then Nelson's sitting back there later, and he, he, here's one of his tellers say that to a customer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> do as I do, not as I say. <laughs> Wait, I think I mixed that up. <laughs> okay, so uh, the one thing that I was really hoping that we could get out of some of this podcast is some of your guys's fun, crazy stories because you guys always end up having the greatest stories and then they always end up ending in a bunch of laughs. Like for instance, Nelson puking all over your truck, basically everywhere. You know, that story was very entertaining. And I think that in around on top of to the side. <laughs> so we, we get, you guys got to tell some of those stories. So you guys should figure out and like talk, and um, figure out some stories you want to tell. Talk about pride night. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> our, our freshman year. You're going to have to narrow it down a little bit more than so that. Pride nights. Pride nights. Something we did as a football team. Friday nights. Whole team would come in, players only, and they had the freshmen get up and introduce themselves and um perform a talent. Um, oh, so this is where the tassels came in. All right. <laughs> Some people would dance, some people would like play guitar, sing other things. Um What did you do, Nate? Oh boy, what did Nate do? Let's hear about Nelson's first. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll we'll start off with the more tame one, believe it or not. Oh um, wow. So there's this other big guy there named Christopher Gulick. And this guy is Let's just say he does not move backwards easily. Um, they knew I wrestled in high school, so they're going, we're going to have Nelson wrestle Gulick because he wrestled too. Not just wrestle. It was a sumo wrestle. It was a sumo. I lost a sumo, but I won the match. And they were both shirtless. <laughs> did you guys have like the, the sumo like underwear on? We did not. Oh, that would have made it better. Just tidy whities. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, what happens? I'm assuming this happened in Thompson. No, the locker, in the locker room. room. Oh, okay. So I, in my mind, I know I'm not going to win this sumo match. This guy does not move backwards. I'm just this, at the time, this freshman who hasn't really done a huge amount of weightlifting. You know, um, I hip toss him twice. Oh, wow. <laughs> Into the lockers and everyone's just like, whoa. I would say, I imagine that locker room lit up when you did that. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, because I he went up and over. We'll say because those lockers in there aren't your standard lockers; they're those like wooden ones, like you see in a basketball <laughs> one, where you can like sit in, sit down on it and everything like that. I think the first time I just threw them into the ground. The second time we hit the lockers, and everyone's like, "Okay, that that's where we're stopping." And so I did lose the sumo contest, <laughs> but I won the match. <laughs> I won the people. <laughs> Lost the battle, won the war. Exactly. <laughs> Got to play the long game on it. So I. For Pride Night, I had kind of built a relationship with a couple upperclassmen the summer before I got there. One of them happened to be like a senior leader on the team. And so <laughs> I was the very first freshman 
to get called out on this. Like, it came up out of the blue. I had no idea what I was going to do. And I froze. I said, I don't have anything. And so the first time, nothing. Like, I stood there awkward and embarrassed as a little freshman. Didn't have a talent. Oh, some time goes by. This has got to be a good story because Nate has some nervous energy where he's twisting the cord for the headphones around his <laughs> I fingers. <saw> that. <laughs> Have you ever uh, watched Blue Mountain State? It was popular at the time. Uh, I don't think so. It's a college football movie. Well, there's some freshman hazing that goes on in that movie, and there's something called a uh, a cookie race. And <laughs> I, you're gonna have to explain this because <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> what they do. Is, I mean, so we had four of us. We went on the football field, and you've got a race. I don't remember if it was 50 yards or if we did the full 100. We did the full 100. Okay. Well, I remember that very clearly. I'm sure a lot of people do. (laughs) So. I hope it was the full 100. (laughs) Four of us. Standing there. Nothing but shoes on. Nothing. And, uh. You've got to race 100 yards with an Oreo between your ass cheeks. <laughs> and you got to make it to the other end with that Oreo still in your ass cheeks. And what happens if you don't? You eat the cookie. No way! <laughs> <laughs> so, not to spoil the end of the story, that is the fastest I have ever seen Nate run. <laughs> so, it was me, two D-backs, like... A safety in a corner, fast guys, and then a offensive lineman. And was it Nelson? No, no. Oh. It was a senior <laughs> offensive lineman that was he shouldn't have had to compete, but he Nelson did. It's not about that. I smoked them motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, I got yeah. to the end. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm pretty oh, yeah. sure I was in my cowboy boots too. Got to the end, dropped that cookie out of my ass cheeks, and chucked it as far as I could. <laughs> did anybody have to eat it? Yeah. The other three ate them. No. Oh, they, they did. They did. <laughs> yep. And uh, never competed in that again. They did it again ne- the next year, and they're like, Nate, you got to come back and defend your title. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> The hell I do. I'm going out Fuck on top. <laughs> I'm going out on top. Shout out to Garrett for winning that. Yeah. <laughs> See? Friend group is two and zero oh in that exactly. He race, and I don't remember if we did it after that again. I think it was just those first two years. Because then the next two, the coach figured out that things were getting a little out of hand yeah. on the freshman <laughs> hazing, and the coaches were a part of Pride Night after that. So there it is. It's a dirt on Nathan. So, what, but I won. Damn it! What, what did you call it, Vodkini? Or what was it? Vodkila. Vodkila. Okay, so you got to tell that story now. I actually wasn't there for that night. Um, well, let's just say it wiped the hard drive clean. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't remember a lot of it. Other people <clears throat> can tell the stories. Uh, we, so first of all, what is Vodkila? Vodkila is exactly what it sounds like. It's a Vodkila and Mick. Or Vodkila. Vodka. <laughs> it's and vodka, and vodka and tequila, tequila mixed. Right. Um, it is just as potent as it sounds to, I don't remember what percentage of alcohol, all I remember. But is, enough to wipe the hard drive clean. Oh yeah. We poured out like a, a quarter of a bottle of Tampico and it f- just filled up a quarter of a bottle of Tampico with vodka. Rest Tampico. And the last thing I remember is taking a big long pull out of it. Granted, I had a couple drinks before, take a huge long pull and that was it. 
um the next thing i remember is um i'm falling off a stool at the v which is a local bar in a puddle of my own vomit that explains why you said the smell in there was probably the vomit from him he left his mark Uh, i did i also made a bet with the owners uh because at the time i you know me and the bartender had a pretty good relationship not because i was there a lot just because you know likable guy so him yeah and, mom not because i was there all the time him, him and the uh, other owner i was like if this happens again i'll pay each of you 100 bucks and they had me shake on it and to this day hasn't happened again with me <laughs> they're not the owners anymore so. no they aren't so that that is no yeah, it's, it's not even called the v anymore um but apparently <laughs> the story i hear the story i hear (laughs) uh, they had a red rider bb gun in the house at the time (laughs) i decided to run around saying shoot me (laughs) in the back with no pants on (laughs) what's up with sterling college football players in nude nudity we're proud of ourselves we're not ashamed (laughs) we were a tight-knit group (laughs) sounds like a little bit too tight <laughs> well, okay. So, what about the story of uh, you vomiting all over Nate's truck? I'm not sure how much of this I should disclose, especially with my job. Um, but we're gonna disclose it, okay? So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had had a little bit too much drink the night that night. Uh, something along the lines of a whole handle of Fireball. Yeah, and. uh I don't remember you it. Ate too many gummy bears, too. <laughs> yeah, gummy bears. I- I've heard you've done some shady shit for some gummy bears. <laughs> Those are Twizzlers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, very tight hit. <laughs> now everybody listening is going, I want to hear the story about the Twizzlers. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Bring me some Twizzlers and you'll find out. <laughs> yeah, that one probably, that one, I, I know that story. We'll probably not tell that story. If, no, if you find Nelson no. and he wants to tell you, you go for it, but exactly. not on here. <laughs> so, so back to this story where he threw up in my truck. Um, multiple times. Multiple times. So we're just down at the bridge. We're having a good time. And Nelson's just, he's holding up the end of this truck. The tailgate, just taking poles out of this handle of fireball. <laughs> it seems like it's like an hour in, and this thing is like three quarters gone. Um, and I, I just imagine his body and his brain being that Simpsons meme. Oh no, I'm in danger. <laughs> I, I like. I was like, Nelson, you good? He's like, Yeah, I just, I just need to take a nap. And so we we put him. I don't know what I was thinking. I probably I wasn't I wasn't sober either. So we went ahead and just we tucked him in in the back seat of my truck. My truck's got suicide doors on it. So first mistake. Somehow we managed to shut the front door, and uh, so he was trapped in there. I'm pretty sure someone shut it on me, but I can't <laughs> tell anything. Well, um, I go back and check on him later, and uh, yeah, he's already done throwing up in the back seat of my truck. You would have thought that would have been enough for us to realize, hey, let's not put him back in the truck. Well, <laughs> us being the geniuses we were, we decided to put him in the passenger seat. We're like, oh, he can open the door, throw up out the door, throw up out the window. Yep. <laughs> All over the middle console. Just paint it. <laughs> you, you leaned the wrong way. At this, po- at I was this not moment. responsible for my own actions. <laughs> he had already thrown up on his hoodie and his shirt. And so then it's like all Which over Nelson's away. shirtless. <laughs> So we're like, okay, well, he's going to the bed. Threw him in the bed. He's taking a nap. 
We're still partying. So he's sleeping it off. This is beyond a nap. I was gone. He doesn't, I mean. <laughs> did he, anybody check to make sure he was breathing yeah, once I, in a while? Yeah, they, they did. We had the discussion on, like, if we need to take him to the hospital. We were like, okay, he's throwing up. You know, like, he's somewhat, like, talking to us. He's grunting at us, basically. <laughs> Actually, Which, that's a Nelson thing. I, like, I think I was telling them to turn off the light because I do remember a light being shined in my eyes. <laughs> Probably a cell phone of them checking on you, I would imagine. <laughs> probably. <clears throat> actually, the the vomiting is actually a good thing. Yeah. That's the body trying to get rid of it. If yeah. he stops vomiting, that's when it's a bad thing. That, I, I'm pretty sure I looked that up on Google that night. <laughs> <laughs> the Google searches are real weird. Okay, guys. Okay, guys. W or WebMD says that he doesn't need to go to the hospital. <laughs> He's puking. He's good. <laughs> we so we keep win. drinking. And then we're like, okay, it's time to go home. And Home being the college dorms. Back to the dorms. Um. Nelson was living in Douglas. Yep, it was Douglas. And I, upstairs Douglas, we had to take him upstairs. I backed my truck all the way up, right up to the double doors in Douglas. And we're like, this dude's massive. We had like four or five of us there. We're like, we're going to have to carry this bastard up the stairs. He wakes up. Looks at us and runs up the fucking stairs straight to his bed. <laughs> goes lays down. Uh, there you, was another. You laid point. in your bed with vomit all over you. I did not. I went straight to the bathroom and spent the night on the bathroom floor. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I the shirt and jacket that I had were thrown away. <laughs> I, there was no recovering those. I'm pretty sure we burnt them. Probably. It wouldn't surprise you me. You wouldn't remember. He I, knows. I know. I would. <laughs> to the fire. I, I wouldn't blame them. I'd, I'd right there with them. <laughs> Those things were a uh, health hazard. Yeah. He did, the next day, clean out my truck. And it was it was, it was was pretty clean until like a month later. Like <laughs> I, found my I never lifted up that center console seat. <laughs> I, didn't oh, I lifted up that, that center console seat and there's chunks of Oh, bacon no. underneath there. Oh, no. I didn't realize it had gone under the center seat. Oh, that's um, so gross. I I bought a hairbrush to scrub out his seats and everything and found my glasses I had lost the night before. <laughs> so I had to drive to his house with like no glasses. I'm sure that's against your driving restrictions. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know. We Nate, never Nate, did anything against driving restrictions. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure me passed out in the bed of the truck was also against driving. That, that it is. And, you know, Nate probably driving you back to the dorms while hammered, was drunk, was was against that. <laughs> so um, what was what was Sterling PD's thoughts on these bridge parties? You were out of my jurisdiction. I was glad you guys were there and not in the city. Yeah. I mean, that's where I'm at with it. And the deputies kind of are... You know, as long as you're not causing issues or cutting fire hoses Until on the fire people. Hose yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> then, was good. Then, then everything's fine. Hey, that was after my time. So. Yeah, that wasn't us. Yeah. Um, better than that. That was Nelson's last year. Dude, I can tell you, no, I that hated was, uh, Vinny's last year. That was Vinny's last year. Because um, your guys' games were on Saturdays, right? Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you, I hated, hated midnight shift on Saturdays. Because I I knew that at any given time there are at Just least a line of cars come back into town <laughs> or or in town usually like that Eighth and Main house um, which was a baseball house to start with blue one the blue one mm-hmm. um, and then there was a soccer house at Ninth and Jefferson, Jefferson. when I first started um, and stuff like that of you know you knew there were going to be a ton of parties there and I hated it man because I I knew that like it was if if something popped off and I was going to get called like. I'm going to do my job and stuff, but 
I really, really, really don't want to like really write college kids' life. No, I really no, I don't mind on that. You made poor decisions, but well, um, but of just like I really don't want to write like twenty or thirty tickets. Like I can't tell you how many times I've showed up to parties, and you know, I can. It's it's funny because people like pull the blinds down, and it's like I can totally see. You. Like I know, <laughs> I know what you're black doing, out here. <laughs> and and. You know, they obviously they send a liaison, whoever, whoever's, you know, house it is. Sober. Yeah, whoever's house it is. And I'll just tell them, I'm like, listen, dude, I got to complain about the music and stuff, right? I, I don't mind that you're partying. I don't mind that you're having fun. Like, I remember being a college student. But when you're bothering other people, that's when I get called. And I said, and let's face it. I mean, don't bullshit a bullshitter, right? Let's face it. There are people in there that are underage and drinking. And let's face it, there's probably a little weed in there being smoked too, right? I said, and I'm going to get you for the hosting and all the other good stuff too. So you have two options. You can keep doing what you're doing or you can turn the music down a little bit and everything will be copacetic. And to this date, that's worked. I had one kid that um, was next door to my house and was waking my wife up, who was then calling me and... So, you know, I, and I went and just kind of did the same thing. And he just looked at me and said, yeah, well, we're going to have a party. And I went, oh, oh, okay, cool. Well, I knew the kid's name. Like, I didn't know his date of birth and all that kind of I stuff. I so I looked, I looked him up on our report management system. And I sat outside. And, and I, I kind of wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt, so I left. <clears throat> but so what I did was, when I got dispatched back, like I don't five minutes later, seven minutes later. Roughly what year this was. Would have been while we were there. I mean it would have probably been like fourteen to eighteen. Yeah, it would have probably been like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, somewhere around in there. Um Chase Chase had maybe been a the coach for maybe a year or two at that point. Maybe. Because he was the head coach at the time. He was. Yeah. Because you called him. The guy's last name started with an R if I remember correctly. I think. But anyway, um, so I knew the kid's name, and so I looked him up on my report management system, and I had the ticket pre-filled out, like all ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so when I showed up, and I'm like, here you go. Press hard. Fourth copy is yours. And, he's, and, of course, he gets all, like, amped up and everything. So, uh, you know, and I'm, so at that point, I'm trying to talk to him still, like not even issuing him the ticket and everything. And so he still wants to kind of act a fool, so I – end up going down to Chase's house at like 2.30 in the morning and knock on his door and said, hey, if your football players are going to be waking up the community, I'm going to wake you up. And I said, so any way you can maybe help me with this? Like tell them to shut it down or you're going to PT him to death? You know, something like that. <laughs> and he made a phone call and I didn't have a problem after that. And I've never had another issue. So I don't know if Chase maybe had, you know, has set that as the tone of like hey if i get cold then you know it's going to be a bad thing but yeah um yeah my philosophy was like please god go out in the county and and party there don't party in the city like you can play your music as loud as you want out there and most of the time in rural rice county you're in bfe nobody's going to know you're there unless you start causing problems and then people start calling 911 and then it's a problem but uh, we would go out to my buddy's pond East of town. At an undisclosed descript location. It's kind of like Area 51 20... on the map. I didn't know where it was half the time. Because <laughs> you were too drunk to remember, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. 25th? It would have been like 15. 25th and V. 
Oh, I thought you were talking about the year. <laughs> I was like, yeah, 2015 sounds about right. And I was like, 25th Road and 15th Road, those are very far apart. <laughs> yeah. We'd go there. We'd go to the bridge. We actually had quite a few parties out at my parents' place in the shop in the wintertime because it was heated and stuff. Um, You know, one credit I will give to the Sterling College students so far is I have arrested a few for DUI. But not many. I think I can think of two. Maybe, yeah, two, I think. And uh, I can, but most of the time that I make traffic stops, because, you know, I'll tell you that I have definitely spent, uh, I don't recognize that name, sorry. But uh, even if I didn't, I probably wouldn't say it. But uh, um, most of the time when I'm, I, cause I, I'm watching for vehicles that have been at those party houses and I'm just kind of like making mental note, like, okay, that car left. So if it's got a tag light out, tail light, you failed to signal, etc. Like you're going to the side of the road. I'm going to make sure that nobody's impaired. And to this, to this day, 98% of those traffic stops have had a DD, like an actual DD and, you know, people in the car. And I, and, and my thing is, is like, I'm even to a certain extent, not always, but kind of willing to overlook maybe the minor in possession, minor in consumption, because you, I don't want to punish you for making a good decision of, you know, you made a bad decision of drinking. Don't get me wrong, according to the law. <clears throat> but, um, you know, you never did anything like that, right? <laughs> so, no, not at all. but, but I don't want to, you know, you, you, you are giving someone a ride home so that they aren't, you know, running in and to people and killing them and stuff like that. Cause I feel like DUI is a precursor to murder. Like that's just how I feel about it. And so, yeah. That's my. That's not the official Sterling Police Department. I just like to give that disclaimer, um, you know, because because every officer on Sterling PD, we have discretion and we can kind of decide what we do and don't enforce. There are certain mandatory arrest statutes like DUI, um, so I, I want it to be known that's not a like end all be all catch all that the chief's going to go. Yep, I'm going to sign on that dotted line too or whatever. That's just kind of how I do my policing. So. So to back up just a little bit, so what made you want to get away from your family? I mean, what was what were the some of the dynamics there? I mean, you talked about, you know, you didn't necessarily have, you know, your dad did push you, but then you said like that was kind of just one of the things you had to give him credit for. Like, what were some of the things that that you know you struggled with? Um, a lot of the things I struggled with involving that. Um, I'm going to be open about this is the divorce itself. And a lot of the things that were said about my mom and my brother and, you know, a lot of the things my dad has said in anger. And I think he's, for the most part, since apologized for that. And he, uh, you know, is trying to be better about that. But uh, can you still hear me okay? Yep. Okay. Just want to make sure. Um, but a lot of that stuff, you know, when you're in your early developmental years, your teenage years, that's not stuff you easily forget. Um, I'm not going to go too much into details because I think that is crossing, in my opinion, crossing a line. Yeah, fine. You share what you're comfortable with. There's no um, expectation. But, you know, through the divorce, I feel both my parents used me and my brother to attack the other and would talk bad about the other. Even though at the same time they were both going and saying, hey, you know, divorce, you know, you shouldn't do this. But then they go around and doing it you know, end up doing it. Um, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't think Corbin really realized a lot of what's going on. And I think honestly, um, I've blocked a lot of it out. A lot of the stuff that was done. 
Um, cause I'm not sure if my parents are lying or if I just don't remember it because of blocking it out. Um, but they'll be like, Oh, do you remember that your dad used to do this or your mom used to do this? And I don't, I really don't. And, uh, you know, I was eight or nine or ten. I should. I should be able to remember stuff like that, in my opinion. Especially that series of stuff. Um, you know, and for a lot of years, I've held resentment toward both my parents for stuff that happened with the divorce that, you know, I think I would like to think that they've grown since then. And I, I have seen growth from both of them. No one's perfect. I can't expect perfection from them. But, you know, I've seen growth and I've, you know, come to terms with it that I think they were different people back then. And, you know, it's still not perfect. The divorce still gets brought up and there's still issues with that and um, stuff, certain stuff, you know, the way stuff like that makes me feel. Um, but, you know, I just I would like my parents to realize that stuff they did did end up me affecting me and my brother a lot more than they think it did. Um, and not that I'm mad at them or anything. I just, I want them to understand. I don't hate them for it, but there, I think there has to be some point of understanding. And, uh, yeah, I kind of got off a little off topic there. Oh no, you're fine. I was just letting that, you know, I didn't want to interrupt you. I just wanted to let that kind of go wherever you wanted it to go. And so, uh, you say that your your father apologized. What about mom? Did she ever? She did end up apologizing. They they both have apologized for certain things that they've done. Not do you, not do everything, feel, but do you feel those were sincere? Partially, yes. The other part part of me just I think this is an outcome of the divorce is that my ability to trust stuff that people say. You know, there are people I find very trustworthy, and I'll take their word. A lot, most of the time, I tr I'm very trusting when it comes to people's word. But you know. I would say you're all right, like, trusting that. Obviously, like, if they're apologizing, there's some sort of guilt there or something that mm -hmm. is drawing them to. Yeah, you know, at this point, what do they stand to gain, you know, right? Exactly, and that's something I've had to remind myself of, is that if they're bringing this up, then they are genuinely sorry about it. Did, do you feel that... You know, them acknowledging that and actually apologizing, you know, I guess ease that burden a little bit or did, did the apology help in any way or did it, did it just like bring that stuff back to the surface? I think it was kind of a mixed bag. It did bring it back to the surface, you know, stuff I kind of pushed down and didn't really want to deal with, um, and brought feelings I didn't really want to deal with. But at the same time, it also did kind of help with closure and allowing myself to start the process of forgiveness with that, you know? And I've, as any child has, I've had issues with my parents. Um, and I think right now in my life, we're all on a good path of our, you know, I think there are still some issues, but for the most part, we're, we have, I have a good relationship with both my parents and me and my dad did go through kind of a rough patch, but starting to get a bit better now. And, you know, we're working toward repairing that and, you know, it's been getting better. Did you have a good relationship with your stepmom? Uh, I think I did. Um, you know, he, he taught me a lot and, you know, I attribute a lot of the man I am, you know, a lot of my values I attribute to him. 
You know, he wasn't a perfect man by far. He made a lot of mistakes. But at the same time, he was honest and sincere. And, you know, if he gave you his word, he was going to do that. You know, his word. Is that something you didn't get a lot from your parents? Not really, no. Yeah. You know, I was told one thing and then they'd go back on their word and, you know, wouldn't keep their promises or wouldn't, you know, would be like, hey, no, we didn't say that. And, you know, I'm like, I'm pretty sure you did. And it's just that honesty that I don't think I got a lot, you know, from my parents growing up. I think now they're a little bit more honest with me. Um, you know, I think they've realized their mistake there, or at least I hope they have. Um, but growing up, uh, you know, telling lies about the other parents or, you know, I'm not really sure what's true and what's not when it comes to the divorce. I've heard so many different stories from both sides. You know, and it, at this point, I don't think I'm ever going to get a straight story. Um, you could always go get the court records and then you'd know. That's something I've thought about doing. Yeah. Um, if you want that closure. Yeah, that's, this, a, yeah, that's up to you. I was just saying. At this point, um, Made it. I wouldn't. It's something I might do eventually. But right now, I want to give them every opportunity they have to give me their, you know, the full truth of their side of the story. You know. Because right now they're. They're just kind of saying that it was the other person. Yeah. yeah, And they've gotten a little bit better saying that they weren't – of admitting that they weren't perfect and that there were faults made on their end. Um, But I – you know, while they're still alive, I want to give them every opportunity to give me their side of the story, no going after the other, just telling it, you know, their faults, their, you know – I would like to hear both of what they both have to say and then make that opinion for myself. But right now I just have, you know, bits and pieces. I'm not sure what's true and what's not. So do you feel like you have a lot of unanswered questions? I do. Do you, do you ask those regularly or just kind of when they come up or kind of when they come up? Cause you know, when I'm hanging out with my parents, I don't think, Oh, this happened during the divorce. Tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm not going to call them out, you know, especially if it's during a holiday or something. Yeah, right. I'm not going to do that. And Makes just kind of, as it comes up or as they feel comfortable telling me, which I'm content with right now, you know, I might want answers eventually, but right now, uh, I'm just going to give them the opportunity for them to give me their answers while they're still around. Well, I think it's good that you're focusing on that relationship because, you know, and, and, and I may be just, you know, outside looking and I could be completely wrong, but fostering those relationships is eventually what will foster that trust for you. Um, of at least just kind of rebuilding that, you know, that proverbial bridge one plank at a time. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a, the, and you know, not that I'm some licensed psychologist or something, <laughs> but it seems like it's the right path. You know, I mean, you kind of have, you kind of have a good mindset on it and granted you're older too. And I'm sure you didn't always have this mindset and always feel this way. And I think Nate can, for a couple of years there, I was harboring a lot of resentment toward my dad for a while and both my dad and my mom. Um, I'm not sure if it's just the mindset I was in working in retail because I think working in retail, I wasn't in the best mindset is a very negative mindset a lot. And I'm in a lot better mindset now, or, you know, there was just some stuff going on at that time to just personal family stuff between my mom's second relationship or second marriage at the time. And, uh, you know, stuff my dad had said, I think they were both bringing up stuff that I, you know, just didn't like. Um, so I think there's just a lot of resentment there. And now we're at a point in our life where 
I've come to peace with my own opinions. I've made my opinions known to them about certain things. and uh, Balls in their court. Exactly. Um, but also at the same time, I've, <laughs> you know, some stuff has happened and I've realized that they're not going to really be around forever. And I'm trying to build that relationship back up to be a positive one. You know, while they're around, I want to have those memories with them. I think that's that's healthy too because you talk about with Garrett of never going to get that moment back. I think you'd have that same feeling with your mom and dad if you didn't mm-hmm. and, um, in one way or another. I mean, re- regardless of resentment and, and everything, I think a piece of you, just knowing you, Nelson, I mean, you're just a nice and, and caring guy just in general. I mean, let's face it, anybody that wants to work in customer <laughs> service and enjoys that, you know, and then you wanting, you, you know, you seeking to make people happy. I mean, you said that earlier in the podcast that that was your goal. You know, I want to, I want to make the customer happy. I want to make their day. So, you know, I don't think there's a, you know, there's a mean bone in your body as far as that's concerned. I mean, I've, I've seen you punch a truck before, but <laughs> <laughs> that's more emotion building up than actual anger. I was not angry at any, I was, I've seen him angry at Vinny a couple of times. One time he was really angry because Vinny ate his cookie dough out of my fridge. <laughs> we, we Okay, I was making. From, I was in the from, process of making cookies, and he ate cookie doughs off the sheet. So. From from one big guy to another, I can understand how you'd be mad because I love me some cookie dough. I thought that Nelson was about to throw Vinny through a wall in my house. I was also or Vinny was going to throw Nelson. <laughs> oh, alcohol was a part of the equation. I was trying to make cookies, and I was like, "Don't eat any of the cookie dough," and he ate the cookie dough. <laughs> what was the other time you were mad at Vinny? Oh. Uh, Granted, as any roommate situation has, you know, you're going to have your ups and your downs. There were times in college where, you know. Not a lot of privacy in rooms. <laughs> I didn't get my alone time. <laughs> no. It... Either that or you were trying to get your alone time and Vinny walks in naked, completely ruins the mood or pushes you over the edge, whichever. You know, there was just, there was, there was some friction from time to time, but. During um... your alone time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm it's sorry. Okay. I had to. <laughs> but you know, as with any roommate situation, there there's going to be friction. You know, um, and I still feel bad for getting as mad as I did because I I don't normally get mad, but when I do, it's yeah, I get pretty mad. Do you feel like some of that was the anger built up, like from your dad and your mom and stuff, and then it just kind of manifested there a little or, bit, yeah, like that. That you know, I always like to use the the analogy of you're taking a like your emotions are like a basketball. And you hold it underwater and you can hold that underwater for a while. And it's pretty easy to do holding a basketball underwater, not a big deal, but eventually you got to let go. And what happens to the basketball to the surface? Yeah. Or, um, were you living in my house at that point or were you still, um, living in the dorms with Benny? Do you remember when, when, uh, when you got angry about the cookie dough? Uh, I think we were living at the dorms at that point. We were yeah. just over so that was place like, for a party. That was like towards the end of, like senior year and yeah, Nelson and Vinny had been roommates for two years. And I think my senior year, there was a lot of emotions. Um, I couldn't play football my senior year. I had knee surgery. I can't remember if it was MCL or PCL. It's been that long, but when I can also just, just knowing Vinny and spending time with Vinny in a patrol car, <laughs> he knows how he, to push your buttons. He reminds me of the female version of a pretty girl. And so, and he knows it. And so I could see him coming across as like, you know. Vinny, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and I just imagine Vinny listening to this podcast going, yeah, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And he's just nodding. Like yep. he's just nodding right now. You're not wrong. <laughs> Dude, speaking of which, so real quick on Vinny, like my first my first impression of Vinny was not a good one. <laughs> oh no. And he shows up to his first ride along as a police intern with his hair in like a ponytail and he's wearing like shorts and a Hawaiian shirt and like flip flops. And I'm like, bro, this is like a a professional thing. Like you're, you're here for college and you're here to do like a ride along and you're going to be getting out on calls with me. And you know, at the time we don't, we don't have, we didn't have a dress code. Thanks to Vinny. We have a dress code. And so, so that, that was, I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like, this guy's a fucking soup sandwich, man. Like he's just a messy soup fucking shit sandwich. And then I got to know him. Like this guy's pretty fucking nice. I really like this guy. Like he, I really enjoyed right. Like Vinny, Drew Wright, and uh, Bianca, and then like um, well, Yaya. Who can forget Yaya? Um, and then uh, Antonio, which is our our newest one. That kid. That kid's going places. Uh, just and I'm just calling it right here, right now. Like he's that. He's that like police commissioner in New York City going somewhere. Like that kid's so motivated. But anyway. So like those those are my like ones that I remember. Those are the most memorable. <laughs> I mean, for different reasons. Yeah. But yeah. I, I I really miss Vinny. Uh I miss Vinny and I really miss Drew Wright too. So Hey, Vinny, if you're listening, Sterling Police Department, they've got an opening right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are we are. We are uh, hiring. You know, Maybe it's not gonna you. be like Florida <laughs> Florida wages or anything like that, but um so uh I guess back my my son right now is kind of dealing with some of that resentment and anger as well. Like, is there is there anything that I just kind of wanted to pick your brain? Of, is there anything I can be doing as a parent? Granted that the the anger and resentment is not from me, but it is pointed at me. And so I was just curious of like, is there anything I can be doing as a parent to like maybe help with that or ask questions or I mean anything that like pops to your brain that you can maybe give me some insight. Um, just from my personal experiences, I don't like people constantly pestering me. What's wrong? What's wrong? It's, I'll come to someone when I'm ready to talk about something heavy. That sounds like very that. much like Eli. Um, and, you know, my girlfriend Cynthia knows that right now. A lot of times if I come home upset from work or just stuff going on, she doesn't bother me. She just, you know, gives me a second to collect my thoughts and, you know, or even if we fight, we take a second apart from, you know, not going out. And a lot of times I feel a lot better after that second. Or, you know, giving a chance to figure out what I want to say and what I'm feeling. So you go um, you go take three quarters of a handle of fireball and then you're ready to talk about it? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um, like, I got all the confidence <laughs> in the world right now. I'm ready to win this argument and then I lose. <laughs> um but I'd say just reinforce the idea that you're you're there to listen. You know, and I think the important thing is asking him, do you want advice or do you need someone to just listen? Uh, especially he, you know, how old is he? Like, He's 13. 13. Um, I think another thing to remember, you know, if you know it's not directed at you and it's just, or if it's not your fault, but it's still going to be directed at you. Is that, I mean, I, I have done some things that probably, you know, uh, I, I've not been the most stellar parent, <clears throat> but, you know, I think most of it's directed what we've talked about before. And I don't know if you've heard, but it's just his biological father cut contact in October. And so there's a tremendous amount of anger that is under the surface, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stems from that. So is his dad from around here, Wichita, I, I think just letting him know you're there for them. You're there for him. But at the same time, 
be truthful. Um, I don't think sugarcoating it will help at all. You know, um, I think that's something my parents did. You know, I'm 16. Don't sugarcoat. Tell me what's going on. You know, I, I know he's only 13, but when I was a teenager, I didn't like my parents sugarcoating me or <laughs> sugarcoating. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> I could see why there's some resentment. <laughs> I was a sugar snack. cookie. I, I ate my own cookie dough. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, honesty is probably the most important. Um, and just being truthful and just showing him that it, you're open and you're willing to listen or provide advice or whatever he needs. And especially being a teenager, a lot of times I didn't like it when my dad be like, what's wrong? You know, I know something's wrong. We need to talk about it. You know, I'd. Like almost I, tried to force it out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'd say don't force it, and you know that's why I went to my uncle a lot of times that he'd just listen, and he'd be like, "Do you want to know what I want to think?" Or you know, a lot of times I'd say yes because you know he didn't sugarcoat things. He'd tell me how he see, and there were times I was in the wrong, and he'd tell me that, you know, like, "Hey, you know, outside looking in, you're wrong. You're being the asshole, the jerk. Yeah. <laughs> you you're know, being a teenager. Yeah. Exactly." Um, and at the time, that's the reality check I did need. Um, but then there were times that he'd tell me, you know, hey, this isn't your fault. Your parents are, you know, messing up, you know. And this is, this uncle is your stepmother's Stepmom's brother. Brother. Okay, so he's not like, an, he's an uncle by marriage. Yeah, but that, that didn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's I, I'm just, I'm just yeah. piecing it together in yeah. my mind. Just like you said, your brothers were your brother. Yeah. You know. They're not your half brothers. They're your brothers. Um, well, what about, what about, um, he, he's also kind of disclosed to us that he doesn't truly believe that we love him, even though we say it and all that other kind of stuff. Like he, and it's almost sometimes like he is pushing us away just to test and see if we'll stay kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know that, like, that's not something he's said, but he has said that he doesn't believe that we love him. Like, is there anything that keys in your mind on that as far as, like why or or how um, I can help him navigate that space. That's that's a difficult one for me because uh, I I'm not the best at putting this into words, but I have felt similar, you know, similarly um, because both my parents, you know, oh we love you, we love you constantly. Well, then why are you doing this, you know? And not to the oh why are you grounding me, teenager, you know. Why are you putting me through this? Why are you telling me this that's going to hurt me or hurt my view of my mom or my dad, you know? Um, and I, I don't think you guys are, you know, doing that to him. You know, I think it's kind of a different situation. But um, I think, as we talked about earlier, love languages, you know, I'm not sure what his love language is. but Words of affirmation. I think just constantly telling him that, you know, he might tell you, I still don't believe that. But I think even if he is, you, you know, even if he's telling you that those words, they do build up, you know, a, um, I say, you know, they do build up an effect to like those positive, you know, words like, Hey, you're doing a great job. You know, I appreciate you doing this. You know, you did your chores today. Thank you. You know, I, I do think they, they do build up and the fact that, you know, you're even bringing this up and that you're worried about him is already showing me how much you do love him and care about him. 
Well, and I, I tried to let him know that, of course, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I do have to remember because one of my faults of being a parent is forgetting that he is three or six or nine or yeah. thirteen. Yeah. You know, I'm expecting him to be a man mm-hmm. at you know thirteen and to do things the way a man would, and just realizing he he's not a man yet. Like yeah. you, you're I'm helping mold him into that, and it's yeah. definitely been very much a village experience, but. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to, when it comes to that, you're, you're making a lot of sense because we actually had where he just told me the other day, like he was, I'm done with life. And so I interpreted that as like suicide, you know, yeah. like I want to kill myself. And, you know, I, I kind of was poking and prodding a, a little, but realizing that like, I just wanted that proximity with him of like, I'm, I'm just, I just sat there in silence for a while, you know, listening to him just cry quietly you know, and then kind of offering a few things here and there and that kind of stuff. But, and then eventually finally getting, you know, he's finding out like a girl that he liked is moving away, like his first, you know, quote unquote love. So it's like he lost his biological father. You know, he lost another girl that he liked. Now he's losing this other girl they like. And now another friend of his is disclosing to him that maybe his, parents are going to get a divorce and so now he's worried that he this kid's going to move away and he's going to lose that friend too and so you know when i asked him if he wanted to kill himself he's like no 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 he's like that's not what i'm talking about he's like i i just don't know where to kind of where to navigate from here mm-hmm. and so um did your parents ever like kind of tie the the christ view into any of this of like kind of what scripture says about any of this stuff or try to help like like help you with the emotions that you were feeling or anything like that from that perspective? I think my dad um, probably overdid it a little bit with that. You know, In what way? Just, you know, anytime I was feeling something and it's, oh, the Bible says this about that. Oh, the Bible. Like, anytime I had an issue, it wasn't him responding to me as a father or as a man. It was, here's what the Bible says about this, instead of him saying, here's what I think. And Okay, so... Cause, cause I do some of that and, yeah. and, and I'm not saying that you're calling me out. I'm trying to learn here. Mm-hmm. So in, in what way do you think would have been the best way to maybe tie those two things together? Cause I, I believe, I, I, I firmly believe that scripture has a place okay. in rearing children yeah. and, and marriage and stuff, but I, I don't want to make it to a point where I'm like drawing him away from it. What about <clears throat> like having a conversation about like a real struggle that you're personally are having? Yeah. Like, related to something personal, you know, personal in your life. Or, you know, I'd, I've never gone through something like this, but, you know, I've experienced loss in my life. You know, tell them about loss you've had in your life. And even as a grown man, I mean, yeah. you still have questions like, I don't know, like, what I'm doing sometimes, you know? <laughs> Dude, uh, <laughs> parenting. Yeah, pretty much that's me. Like, er day. Yeah. Parenting kids that are of three different ages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then it's, I'm sure you can relate to this. Your oldest child is basically kind of your experiment. And then Test you, child. yeah, you kind of, you kind of learn. And, and, and I have, and I've learned from Eli where, okay, bro, you really screwed that up. Like, don't do that with the other one. And then it's yeah. like, okay, you screwed this up with the second one. And then the third one, I'm kind of getting it right. And the other two are like, you love her more than me. And I'm like, no, no, no. I just kind of learned some you. lessons. I mean, and that, and she's a girl. And so, hey, can I have this? Oh, yeah. Because you right. got yours. Yeah, yeah I have mine. Ours was uh, like, oh, you guys are done parenting? Like, Lauren's not going to get in trouble for anything? 
Now you, get away with now you sound like my kids because that ain't that ain't the case at all. Because I'll bust my daughter's ass the same way I bust their ass, um, which has been a while since I've done that. But you know, he <clears throat> it's like for every little thing he went to the Bible, you know. And granted, that's probably what he believed, but he didn't make it. It seems like he was telling me, "Here's what the Bible says about this. Here's not what I think about." You know. So basically, telling you a story versus relating to, like, getting on your level to kind of relate to you. And then there is my mom who was not, you know, she's religious, but she's not like, I don't want to say hyper-religious, but she wasn't going to church every Sunday like my dad. So it was very much a vacuum and then an overabundance mm. and it wasn't a balance. Yeah. You know. And so, um, so when you say every little thing, so pretty much every situation, it was kind of like, here's what scripture says. and Exactly. And there wasn't, okay, cool. Well, I guess at least I'm kind of doing some <laughs> of that right. Because, I mean, I, you know, while I'm not perfect, I mean, I guess I just... You know, to me, I, I want to relate to him of like, you know, this this thing is many thousands years old and it's like mm-hmm. applying in 2022, you know, yeah. and, you know, because I'll even tell him like, hey, not just a here's what the Bible expects of you, mm-hmm. right? Like if you were my kid, but also here's what the Bible expects of me as a father. Yeah. And this is why I'm doing the things I'm doing. You know, yeah. I'm I'm commanded to do this. And I think sometimes as kids, we don't want to hear that. We want to hear... What do you think? Tell me, you know, and I, you know, tell me your personal feelings, you know, don't drag scripture into this okay. right, right now, and, yeah. you know, and, you know, even just a little of that would have been nice instead of every, you know, the Bible getting pulled out every single time. Yeah. Well, thankfully I don't do that, but I, I mean, considering, you know, cause we do go to church yeah. and we do do Bible studies and yeah. stuff. And that's kind of the, the time I guess, right. Would mm-hmm. be better for that. Yeah. And then like, like when, cause I, I notice with him, like when he's angry, he's similar to you of like, just leave me alone. Let me decompress. And when I'm ready, then I will come to you yeah. and, and I'll have a conversation. Sometimes that conversation can lead right to being angry again. And then we kind of start that process over. But, um, you know, I think it would make more sense to, <clears throat> like when we're doing the Bible study, like, hey, remember that one time when you had this? And yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. This is this is kind of where it's relatable, and versus just like parent, like doing the parenting thing, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of get on their level, like, hey, I know what you're feeling. I think it kind of boils down to, you know, there's a there are times when they don't need to be reminded of what the scripture says, or you know, be explained to, and they just need that parent parental just love, some, just or some love, yeah, just love and. You know, Every or, sense of the word. Or even, you know, being reprimanded, you know, instead of going, oh, this is what the Bible says you should do. Why am I disappointed in you? You know, it goes both ways, not even just love, but, you know, discipline. Too. And, so when you when you are working through, I mean, you use the word resentment. If I use the word anger, would that would that kind of yeah, sim- see similar? Resentment, anger. I'm, I'm just kind of like trying to tie this together to what I'm dealing with. And mm-hmm. so... um you know, when, when it came to your parents establishing any kind of boundaries, like, like for instance, um, you know, Eli of like, if you want to stay at your grandparents or at a friend's house or whatever during the weekend, you know, the expectation is you're supposed to get your chores done. And then when it doesn't pan out at the end and he's held to like that standard, then the anger comes out. So is, did you feel like those, those healthy boundaries were, or did you even have those? I mean, do you feel they were effective or not effective or how they make you feel or how could they have been done better or, uh, boundaries are actually something, you know, I've had a lot of issues with, with my life. You know, I'm not good at setting them. I'm not 
good at understanding them, but once I understand them, I do respect them. You know, sometimes I just don't pick up on social cues. I don't think my parents were very good at setting boundaries to begin with because a lot of the times they used me, more specifically me, maybe my brother to a certain extent, as therapists. You know, these were things you shouldn't be talking to a seven or eight year old about. And, uh, you know, I think as I got older, they started understanding boundaries a little bit more, but still, you know, boundaries has always been a struggle for, yeah, you know, I've gone a lot better, a lot better since I was, you know, younger, uh, especially with setting them with my family. Um, but okay. growing up for me, it was like, Hey, Nelson do this. And then you can go to your parents' house. So I didn't have a set list of chores, but if I was given a task, I was expected to do it. So how did, um, so if we kind of want to come to like the end of your, your uncle's story, like how did, how did that affect you? Was that kind of something that you guys knew was coming or was it a, a unexpected thing or how did, I mean, how did that whole thing affect you? Um, it was very sudden. I was on, cause for my senior graduation, my mom had a business trip in Hawaii at the time. She was a district manager for Northern California, Hawaii and Alaska. And she took me with her to Hawaii as, you know, Hey, graduate high school. Good job. You know, with decent grades, just cause I had always wanted to go, you know, my grandparents messed there for a little bit. We did some tourism stuff, you know, drove around the aisle with my grandparents, did the helicopter ride. Great memories, you know, got to try a bunch of food there. <laughs> I love the seafood. Yeah, there's, there's the memories portion of it. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of the reason why I travel is I like trying food for different places. Yep. Um, you know, I believe food. Yeah, I'm a big guy. I like food, but I also believe food can represent culture. You know, it represents comfort and familiar. Yeah. Get, that's a whole different story, but, uh, it was about 4 a.m. in Hawaii. Uh, th- there's a three hour time difference between Hawaii and California. So about 7am California time. And I get a call from my dad. I'm going, Oh, you know, what's wrong? And he goes, he calls me crying going, your uncle passed away. I'm so sorry. And then just hangs up. That's it. And leaves my mom to, and my grandparents to deal with the fallout. When I got back, I was told that everyone was saying, do not call Nelson. You know, this is something that, you know, shouldn't be told over the phone. Yeah. And like, let him experience that, that trip for what it is. And then, when he comes back, and now, start that. whenever I think of Hawaii, it's that memory is going to be stuck there. Um, there for a while, there was a lot of anger and resentment for my dad for doing that, and I kind of get because he did explain, "Oh, I want you to know as soon as possible." I get that a little bit, but at the same time, you know, not so much anger and resentment anymore. Just more, it happened. It is what it is now. Maybe like disappointment. Yeah, more disappointment. Um, but it hit really hard because just two nights before he had called me and left a message and then I called him back and we talked for a little bit and he was saying how proud of me he was. And, you know, he's like, I know, you know, I'm so proud of you for making this for, I know you'll do great in college, you know, because at that time I was preparing to go to Sterling a couple months from then. And, uh, you know, we had a real heart to heart talk and then two days later I find out he died and, you know, this man who was a, you know, to some extent, he was a role model. You know, there are things he did that I was like, oh, no, no, I'm never going to do that. More cautionary tale. <laughs> cautionary tale and role model. <laughs> you know, um, but I also admired him and respected him as a man. And, you know, um, he taught me a lot, you know, a lot of stuff. Uh, I, th- You know, he told me how it was 
hard life lessons, you know, and just to find out about that. And, you know, I think I'm not sure what my dad was thinking. I'm not sure if, you know, at that time he was thinking, oh, this is a way to get back at, you know, Nelson's mom for taking him on a really nice trip that I could never take him on. You know, I, I don't know what was going on there. Um, but that I remember coming back for the funeral and my dad had take, took me to have a meeting with the pastor. And I remember this. And I think for a while, this is why I bottled up my emotions for quite a while. And I think that was had a huge effect on me processing emotions to the point where I'm still learning how to process emotions, you know, instead of just bottling it up, bottling it up and then, you know. Drinking a handle of Fireball <laughs> to feel good, right? Yeah, it's depressing. <laughs> um, I remember sitting down with them and just eating some donuts. And I'm not sure. I think it was the pastor telling me, hey, you need to be a rock for your family. You can't show emotion. Ooh. Yeah. And I don't know why, but that stuck with me. You know, and throughout college, I was like, okay, to be a man, you can't show emotion. You know, you got to be the rock. You got to be steel-faced. Huh. So did you feel that like at that point you'd kind of stepped into your uncle's role? Like that that was what you were going to be expected to do? And that that's why you had to be the rock? Um, I think it was more, you know, you uh, it wasn't so much me stepping into my uncle's role because my uncle was kind of, you know, he lived off of Social Security from his time in the Army, you know. Didn't, you know, did odd jobs here and there, but, you know, kind of just was living his best life, so to speak. Not best life, but, you know, content. He was happy, you know. There's a lot he had to deal with, but at the same time, I also think, you know, he smoked a pack of cigarettes a day, but at the same time, he's like, you know what? They make me happy. Yeah. You know. Did, um, good. Um, I think it was more, you know, my dad sitting down being like, hey, you know what he thought he might have thought he was doing right by that. I really think he was trying to do right by, you know, Hey, you gotta be strong for the family and, you know, take care of them. I think really that's what it had boiled down to, but the way it was phrased had affected me, you know, an 18 year old going into college, you know, that can, it, it, you know, just that one phrase can, it's amazing how it can stick with you for that many years. So how did you get uh, Nelson to break out of his shell? Alcohol. <laughs> what was it, Cody Curbstomp? <laughs> he he let me try. He comes in one night. We're rooming, and I I think up to that point I'm being you know the good the good child you know not going out. Oh, you, you guys have fun. If you need a driver, just let me know. I'll take care of you. And then he brings it. He's like Nelson, try this, and just shoves it in. <laughs> It was disgusting. <laughs> and I'm like, it was a Mickey's, and I had mixed a little orange juice in it because it just tasted terrible. And I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> no way!" Yeah. Mickey, I, Mickey's like the quote, quote unquote premium malt beverage. Yes, and you put orange juice in it. I'm not what gonna, were you? Thinking? I was already a four loco deep, so yeah. I wasn't thinking very straight. <laughs> That was our deal on Wednesdays. It was a Mickey's and a Four Loco. I'm not going to say I had good taste back then, but I was like, that's new. And then they were Wednesday. As he's like, food, culture. Ah, ooh, this is, this is what I like. Um, <laughs> alcohol is different. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. a little bit. Hey, uh-huh. alcohol is just like another food. I mean, you think about it. Like tequila comes from the, what, the uh, agave, agave yeah. from Mexico. Exactly. So. 
And <laughs> don't worry, I'm having dare tonight. It's just a double shot tequila. <laughs> <laughs> I started inviting him to the bridge parties. And he, I don't remember what the first party I invited to you. I do. He got me to go out with him and his buddy Cade and be the DD. I I had one shot of Jack Daniels. My first ever shot of Jack Daniels. Where was this party at? Uh, the other bridge. Okay. North Bridge. Alden Bridge. Yeah, Alden Bridge. The um, Twin Bridges or? Uh, straight out on. Avenue W? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, the, hell, the hell you call that the Alden, Alden Bridge for? Is that toward the, Alden? No, that's, not, that's not the w. West River Bridge. No, not that one. The other ones. Twins. The Twin Bridges. Okay. That so, makes sense then. You okay. know, I was just hanging out. I was having a great time socializing with people. No alcohol, you know, got offered a shot. I was like, okay, I'll try it. Trying like, yeah, say gross, (laughs) (laughs) gross. But you know, I drove him and Cade back. You know, as the DD, Um, drove him and Cade back. I was like, I got back. I was thinking that I was like, I really enjoyed that. I want to do that more. Then you know, slowly started introducing me to different alcohols, mainly for for locos. Because when you're a college student, you got to be a baller on a budget. (laughs) (laughs) You can buy. You could spend seven bucks on two four locos and just get have a great weekend. Yeah. <laughs> great, I am putting that in air quotes. Great weekend. <laughs> Explains why they like made those illegal or whatever, or changed the formulation. Yeah, but so we never did. We never did really answer the question. So how, like, how did you? Because you you talk about how you have trouble trusting. So what did what did Nate do to foster that trust in you to kind of help you, you know, be able to talk to him. I think, honestly, once again, it was the Xbox because Gideon had to invite me in. He was like, hey, you know, there's an Xbox in here, you know. <laughs> he played a little bit. I'm like, cool. Didn't know it was Nate's Xbox at the time. But then, you know, he kind of just came in, started talking about video games and, you know, similar topic and start going back and forth. And honestly. Uh, and then he started putting uh, phallic shaped objects in your mouth and making you drink. <laughs> Pretty much premium all downhill. He didn't say no. Premium (laughs) all There was consent. Um, you know, they invited me to live with them. I was like, no, I'm just gonna stay in my normal room because I didn't want the process of moving. Come back the next semester. Hey, all your roommates left. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, so can I stay in here and pay the same dorm? You know, dorm price? No. I'm like, okay, come down the hall. Hey, Nate, moving in. (laughs) And I had had. Two roommates had left after that first semester, too. Just couldn't handle Sterling, Kansas. <laughs> so it kind of all yeah, worked and out. Sterling College is illustrious, 32% graduation rate, but that's for another day. <laughs> it's it's we tough school, man. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Those hangovers. <laughs> that's the major. Yeah. <laughs> that's the major. Making it to school or making it to class with a hangover and managing that. That is the, uh, that is the major. I mean, it could be like that one time we were handed class, got told there was a, a gunman near campus, and went right back to the door. It's like, well, oh, we're going to die. We might as well drink. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were on our way to class, and we were a little late. It was like me, Nate, and Garrett. We get the text saying shelter in place, and we're all like, well, we're halfway at class, so we're just going to walk back to the dorms. Was that when Chad got shot or something, or what? No, it was uh, when that incident happened over by your house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, I will tell you, I have never seen a bigger shit show in my life than watching that college try to lock itself down. Shit show. It was it was bad. I mean, like we were literally walking to class 
and did, we got a text. It was through the emergency, you know, our tornado warning text. Yeah, right, man. We we got a text through that. We all all three of us looked down. We're like, okay, we're just gonna head back to class. And we texted one of our other buddies who was in the class at the time, who was the responsible student, and, uh, and showed up early. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, we just said, hey, tell Thorpe we're not gonna be there because we're locked down in our room. Which, it, I don't even know why they locked down because, like, they we canceled we, football practice that night too. Do we had we had no like indication that these people were still in town? I'm not complaining. They <laughs> I just, got to go back just, to my room. They just grabbed their weed and left, or their money and left. And they didn't even get their money. All they got <laughs> was those people's wallets and cell phones. That's all they got. They Four didn't get years. their money because they never caught up with the guy that got found not guilty. The Sterling College student or the the football player, yeah. The female, she she ended up pleading guilty, and then so did another one of the armed robbers. But whoever the other guy that was with him, uh, he must have been really mean or dangerous or something because neither one of them would roll. Period on who he was at all. Hmm. Um, whereas they were more than happy to talk about each other. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, there was no indication that that. Like the person was even still in town, or the people, I guess I should say. So, it's all right. We didn't mind. We they canceled. I think it was in the spring. Yeah, I think it was a spring ball practice. And like, oh darn, gotta go nobody back to the likes, room. Nobody <laughs> likes spring ball. Oh, shucks, got to play more Xbox. Now. Pretty, that's exactly what we did. We went back and played Fortnite. <laughs> if we're gonna die, we're gonna die happy. <laughs> pretty much, dude. Gross Fortnite. Ugh, better in the first seasons, dude. Fortnite's an awful game. It was fun the first couple of years or first couple seasons. Then, <laughs> Have you ever played not the battle royale mode? That was pretty fun. <laughs> no, I just think it's I don't know. It's stupid to me. Of I don't know. To some people, it might be fun and like challenge. I could see like the building being a little challenging and stuff. But like to me, like oh, I can run out in the middle of this open ass field, and if somebody starts shooting me, I'll just build something. Like <laughs> Jesus, that's so stupid. You know, I, I get how it can be fun for some people, but it's just it's not my kind of game. Yeah, I'm not gonna knock people who like it. I am. My kids play it. <laughs> Stupid as shit. Fair Cause enough. Because they, they knock me for playing PUBG, and I'm like, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm just gonna. At talk, least it's realistic. I'm gonna talk shit on your game then. Until you drink an energy drink and can run faster. <laughs> uh, I, hey man, hey man. You, you. I, I bet you, if you put a side by side comparison of yourself, one on an energy drink and one not, I bet you are a touch faster with the energy drink. I bet it'd be. I'm not fast at all. Much so. much faster with this new pre workout I got. Yeah, you were like tweaking it at supper. Sponsorship. Sponsorship? <laughs> yeah, hey, if you want, who, what would you say the name was? Black Market. But is that who it's made by, yeah. or that's the? Okay, hey, Black Market. Uh, Nate Hyde is looking for a sponsor to go to nationals. Uh, if you could just contact him, Nate at thehigherpoints dot com. <laughs> Fair enough. I want to try that. By the way, can I can I get a scoop or three to try? I would just do one. <laughs> I meant three. I meant three over time. Oh, okay. <laughs> not, in the, not at the same time. Bold man. <laughs> it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it pays off for Injected into my veins. <laughs> I got so much work done. <laughs> my house is spotless. <laughs> well, um, is there anything else you want to add or anything important or any words of wisdom that you like? Maybe, maybe some – because I'll tell you, we have – at least that I know of, we have one 13-year-old kid that listens to this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not – his parents are married and everything. But, you know, teenagers struggle with things. And I think it's more relatable because you're significantly younger than me. 
And so, uh, even though I'm more beautiful than you, but, um, <laughs> that's up know, for debate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, do you have anything that like things you can maybe add in or things that, like to maybe kind of help encourage or get kiddos that are kind of maybe going through a similar situation? I mean, um, I'm just going to say, ask for honesty if from your parents, especially, you know, if you're a teenager and you're going into this sort of situation, don't let them sugarcoat it. Don't, you know, if they start talking bad about the other parent, you just got to set that boundary of, hey, I don't want to hear this. Um, I think saying that boundary is probably, you know, it's something I wish I knew I could do. As I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't know I could do it until I'm like 21. You know, twenty twenty one going boundaries. I can set those <laughs> <laughs> with my parents. You know, um, but also know that I think a lot of times parents are trying to do what's best for their kids. They aren't actively trying to hurt their kids, and that's something I do have to remind myself of: is my parents were not trying to hurt me or my brother by any means, and it's something I do have to tell myself because there are times I'm going, "What were they thinking?" <laughs> so I'm sure. Many kids do, especially as adults. Um, but I think it boils down to, in their own way, parents, for the most part, not for the most part, parents do love you and are trying to do what's best for you. And uh, it is it is important to remember that and to, you know, try to be understanding when it comes to their situation as well. Well, what about uh, <clears throat> advice for maybe parents that are divorcing for you know, them for their kids, for their kids, their well-being. It kind of boils down to the, you know, don't use your kids as therapists. If, you know, be honest with them about what's going on with the divorce. But, you know, don't talk to them about, you know, oh, your dad did this. It made me feel like this. You know, don't use them as therapists. I think, you know, it, I think even getting a family therapist involved might help, you know, be that mediator of, hey, you know, this is okay for the, you know, the kid to hear, but this is something that you two should hash out in private, not in front of the kid. One uh, thing I could kind of add to that is just like, be honest with yourself, you know, that the parents or the couple that's going through the divorce, you know, self-reflect and be honest with yourself because you're not perfect. It, like you made mistakes too. Even if your significant other cheated, there were still issues that you had, you know, look at those and fix those. Because if you can't get your own shit together and get your own head right, then you, like, your kids are going to suffer because of that. They're going to see right through it and they're going to see that you're having issues or that you and your significant other are having issues, you know, and kind I, of that do as I say, not as I do, yeah, you know, I, I'm telling you to do this or that, or don't do what I do. And I'm doing it. Like, don't yeah. like, don't drink alcohol, but you're, you know, drinking, you know, a whole drinking a bottle fifth of, every night yeah. to go to sleep. Yeah. Or, I'd say also kids are smarter than you think they can pick up on more than you think. Um, even if you think, Oh, they won't understand. They might not understand, but they know something's wrong. And, you know, it is important to be honest with them to a certain extent, you know. I mean, a dog can sense yeah, exactly. when you're emotionally off, you know. 
your own kid is going to uh-huh. be able to sense when yeah. you're off in the same way. I agree. Not to compare kids to dogs. <laughs> uh, it's similar. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say honesty. Honesty is very important when it comes to, especially if you're considering getting a divorce and have a kid. And then do, don't use the kid to hurt the parent. It'll affect them a lot more than you think it will. So, um, so you, you've kind of said it both ways. So don't use them as a therapist. Don't like, you know, kind of, kind of filter what you're saying. Exactly. But then you're also saying be honest. So I'm curious of, so should you wait for your kiddo to be like, uh, why did mom do this? And then answer honestly, or like, I'm, I'm curious where you feel, you feel having lived this, where do you feel that line is between too much and honesty? I think too much would be saying your mom did this because she's a cheating whore. You know, that's, yeah. that's too much. Cause you saying, don't, you don't live in the other person's mind. So you don't truly exactly. know. Exactly. Okay. Be honest. I don't know why your mom did this. You know, that's, I'm trying to understand why. And we are trying to work that out. You know, be honest with them that you don't understand it because, you know, kids think parents know it all. They don't. You know, especially growing up, you realize that. And, and I let think, them know. A lot of kids, I think, look at their parents and think, like, my parents are perfect, you know. Exactly. <laughs> and let them know, like, hey, we're humans. We're not perfect. Either. I can't tell you how many times I told my kids I'm broken yeah. and apologized. Yeah. And. See, I think apologizing to your kids is important, especially if something does get out of hand. Coming back and be like, "Hey, I shouldn't have said that. You know, this is not your fault. I shouldn't have taken out taken it out on you." Because there were a lot of times in the divorce, on both ends, that there was anger and resentment from my parents toward the other one, and it got taken out on me and my brother. You know, there was you know yelling, screaming, the whole nine yards, and I don't, you know. I don't think it should have been taken out on me or my brother at all. And it still was. Yeah. And you're basically innocent bystanders in that, that had absolutely nothing to do or control over that in any way, shape or form. Exactly. And you're kind of expected to bear the burden and the brunt of some of that. And therapy isn't a bad thing when it comes to this. Um, having someone there who can help mediate those feelings and navigate that is not a bad thing. Did you ever do anything like that? Um, Yes, but then I think there were issues. I don't want to blame any certain parent, but I got taken out of therapy when I probably could have benefited from therapy. Um, I think uh, one side thought that the, the, that the therapist was on the other side and was trying to use the therapy against them. I got you. And uh, I got taken out when I probably really could have used the therapy. Which, which you know... The- it's the therapist's job not to like take a side. Exactly. You know, biased. Yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of be like your uncle and listen and not tell you like, Hey, you're, you might be messing this up or yeah, I kind of agree with that. Or, yeah, you know, not just to be like, Oh man, yeah, you're right. That person's a SOB or whatever. But whether, you know, it's a church, a trusted member of the church or wh- whoever you feel comfortable with having that third party to navigate those feelings is very, you know, I think is very important too. Do you think if your if your uncle would have been around longer that it would have been easier for you to navigate that? I do. Um, I think, you know, having that outside opinion I could go to who knew my uncle pretty much knew the whole deal, you know. 
been around pretty much my entire life. So he was able to get both sides and exactly. piece it together and then kind of give you the truth of what's going on. And he did know my mom. You know, he was friends with my mom. Had a good relation. Not, I'm not going to say close relationship with my mom, but, you know, you know, knew her. And, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, it's a stranger. He knew her. You know, he had done some jobs for her, yard work and that sort of thing. So they did have that relationship they knew of each other. Um and there were times when he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I understand where you come from. You know, you're wrong or, you know, something's coming up. He was able to give a very unbiased point of view, even considering his closeness to the family. Well, do you have anything else, man? Nate? No, nothing. Cool. I think but, that's it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I just wanted to take the opportunity to say thanks for coming in. I mean, I know this isn't necessarily something that, I mean, from the sounds of it is is at least somewhat fresh still and still things that you're working through and so it takes takes a lot of guts to do what you did and you know nate nate had that same thing happen and you know he had people that were reaching out that were like you know thanks and i hope that same thing happens to you because i'm sure nate can relate um i'm I'm just kind of speaking for you so if i'm speaking out of turn let me know but you know of of that was kind of a part of nate's healing process too of like realizing that oh my story helped somebody yeah like my pain and what I went through can like help someone else navigate theirs because you're kind of that third party that you were talking about mm-hmm. at this point if somebody's listening to that podcast. so Of course, and that's, you know, I'm just glad I was able to get that out there. And I am by no means attacking either one of my parents. I love them both very much. And if we're being honest, <clears throat> excuse me, if we were being honest, there was issues. And I hope they, they both realize that I am not trying to attack either of them because i i hope they both listen to this i know i've shared shared it with them and i could just imagine your mom being mortified at some of these stories but um (laughs) i think it's gonna be more my dad than my mom (laughs) (laughs) but i mean i didn't it's kind of like nate nate had the same reservations with his and i mean as far as the you know worrying about seeming that way and i'll tell you i mean being that disinterested third party that you talk about, like, right. I don't know your mom or your dad never met him. I've seen one picture on, I think Facebook of you guys standing on the football field, probably during like a homecoming or something. You had flowers, um, or it's maybe a senior night probably would be the better one. Probably what it was. I don't know. Anyway, that, that's all I know. That's, and I don't know if that was your stepmom even, or if it was your dad, but she was a taste of strong man. She was. Oh yeah. My mom was a short lady following me around. I did not, I did not get to meet her. But yeah. what I'm getting at is, is, you know, just that disinterested third party telling you, like, it, it wasn't anything. Like, and you never said, like, F this person, F that person or anything like that. You said, hey, there were issues. And you acknowledged it, but you also acknowledged you had issues too. I mean, things that you, you were struggling with as well. So I just kind of want to set you at ease that, you know, I, I didn't feel that way. And so I think that, you know, what you did was, done well and you know i think a lot of people are going to grow and learn from that so thank you that's that's the goal you know i'm just glad to have the story out there so well uh everyone thanks for taking the opportunity to listen to the higher points podcast Uh, we appreciate you taking that opportunity just to be with us we're humbled by that and uh we're really humbled by nelson coming on here just kind of bearing a little bit of his soul when it comes to some of the things that he's dealt with in his life and uh, don't forget that we're getting ready to do our giveaway of the cornhole boards. Uh, just keep watching out for that on our uh, social media pages. We're doing that in celebration of uh, getting over a thousand downloads. 
and I'm sure that uh, Nelson's episode here will get another thousand, and then we'll have another good uh, <laughs> good giveaway to give. But don't forget to check us out at thehigherpoints.com on Facebook at the Higher Points Podcast, as well as Instagram at the Higher Points. We appreciate you guys listening to us. We'll catch up with you next time. 